1: While many of our guests are professionals, they aren't your professionals. If you need personalized advice, consult your people. Welcome to another episode of Barnyard Language. Thank you for joining us again today.
0: Katie, what's going on on the farm?
1: I see there are lambs.
0: There are so many lambs, Arlene. We must have really improved efficiency in our breeding season this year. We normally do not have this many lambs this early in in lambing season. We started lambing Saturday. And we had one set of lambs and now we have nine sets of lambs, something like that, but almost all of our ewes have had triplets, which is Wow. Well done. Unusual. It's good, but it means having to bottle feed a lot more lambs. Which yes. Is more management and whatever. As far as around the house, I am super patiently waiting for my dishwasher and my new fridge to be delivered. Like between 10 and noon which you know hopefully will be any minute now i've been on hand dishwashing strike for a few days so that washer's going to get a workout today hopefully because there's a pile of dishes other than that just trucking along with our work changes and trying to do all that and not much else what's up with you arlene
1: so we're actually on vacation this week which is very strange and I was just telling Katie before we before we started recording that we have no idea what time it is because so we live in Ontario we went on a vacation to Alberta so it's a two hour time difference and then this past weekend there was the time change so then the clocks moved ahead an hour and being on vacation obviously we're sleeping in a lot later than normal because we're not getting up to milk cows so it all feels very strange and I don't know what time it is ever but This morning, everyone slept in. So I'm in our Airbnb hiding out in a basement. So probably the the worst sound quality that we could find, but that's all right. We're still getting our recording done. And I'm learning some things on our trip. I'm learning that we we mostly, my husband and I are not used to seeing so many people, (laughs) which (laughs) is a little overstimulating at times. Cause I mean, other than my, my kids and my husband and my in-laws, there's lots of days where I don't see anybody else other than animals. So um, it's been, I mean, it's been really good, but we, we don't have a lot of stamina for more than kind of one thing a day. So that's been all right. I did try and keep our schedule a little bit, a little bit loose in terms of not packing too many things into a day. And we're also doing that uh, farmer thing when we're traveling between locations of trying to figure out, you know, what kind of farm is that? What breed of cows are those? What does, what's that barn for? What's that piece of equipment? So that's always fun when you're on a road yeah. trip. Pig barn or how chicken many, barn, what do you think?
0: <laughs> how many times have you hit the gravel on the side of the road? Because
1: you're <laughs> well, at something. There's definitely <laughs> been definitely been some some slowing down at times. So that's been that's been part of it for sure. And it's it's not oh, there's still snow on the ground here, so nobody's planting yet, So so that helps in terms of not really having to slow down too hard to see what people are doing. But it's it's always neat to see different countryside and and how people farm in other places. That's one of our, the things that we like to see too.
0: Yeah, that definitely, getting the gravel gets a lot worse once there's tractors in the field or just the <laughs> slowing yeah. way down. Yeah, that's right. What are, yeah, what that's are you right. doing? Like, why? Why are we doing that? I must say though, you're looking very healthy and relaxed despite being in yeah. a slightly creepy unfinished basement. Um, yeah, still in my pajamas. <laughs> yeah, well,
1: you know. It's With also, her, yeah. we're learning, I mean, not that we didn't already know this, but that finding things that our range of kid ages will all enjoy at the same time is challenging. I know Katie has unique challenges because your kids are so close together in age, like that you're under, under two years, but we've got four kids who are really spread out. So a, a seven-year-old and a 16-year-old, you know, news, news bulletin here, don't always want to do the same thing.
0: So I, that's, I will... that's a unique, unique challenge on this trip. I will say that uh, that 16-month age gap that we have comes with some some challenges, for sure. But it is really handy that they have the same friends and they want to do basically the same stuff. And they, you know, they're about the same size. So I'm not as worried about them killing each other. So that is really handy. Usually going to 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 the same place. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, to be able to go to one thing and call it good. But yeah, there are some downsides. But there's also a lot of upsides to, you know, at least they're evenly matched yeah that's right monkey buttness so yep well um, should we move on to our guests for this week yeah i suppose so all right Probably well, we will hear from them.
1: all right well why don't we just go ahead and get started and we'll see where the conversation goes perfect all right our guest today is jason meadows jason is a farmer pharmacist podcaster and a parent from missouri so Jason, we ask each of our guests the same opening question, which is a way to kind of introduce yourself and talk about all the things you're involved in. And so our starting question is always, "What are you growing?" So that can be kids, livestock, crops, businesses, whatever you want it to be.
2: Ooh, we're growing a lot of things. We're growing, a lot. We're growing four boys at different stages of. Growth cycles. We have four. We have a oldest is sixteen. Twins that are eleven, and our baby is eight. We are growing cattle, lots of them. Before we, before I was hopped on here, we were, we're still trying to get things sorted around where I want them. We got a bunch of calves in the lot that we just weaned, and we have some stalker calves that we've purchased that I'm trying to get turned out on on the stockpiled forage. We're raising some finished beef uh <laughs> a lot of things going on down there in the barn lot and we are we're our growing businesses and my podcast is i consider it a business we i have speaking gigs that come with it and i try to limit it to one engagement a month those months are filling up pretty fast let's see and then my wife and i we actually last year started our own yoga studio um my wife, she was a nurse for when we met. We actually met when we were first working at the hospital together, both out of, fresh out of college, but the last several years has kind of burnt her out on nursing and yoga is her passion. It's her love. And she's finally been able to make a business out of it in our small little rural Missouri town. And it's been really, really cool.
1: That's so, a real uh, diverse range
0: of, of things.
2: It is. It's very random. <laughs> yeah.
0: Are you a pharmacist at the hospital then, or do you work for a different business?
2: No, I work for, I, I work at the hospital. I actually am a hospital outpatient pharmacist. So I, I we're very unique in the fact that we are, I where my work is actually an employee pharmacy. We're a closed door pharmacy for the employees of our healthcare system. Our healthcare system and their families. It's we have our healthcare system employs about two thousand people in the area. And then they're, you know, their families too. So I mean we we stay pretty busy with that. And it's great because I'm off work every day at 3 too. That's my favorite part about the job is, you know, especially in the summertime, I get off work at I get home at four and shoot. There's a full day's worth of daylight almost left. <laughs> so <laughs> lots of time not, for farming on the side. For sure. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And does that mean that you don't have customers walking in then? Is it all mail order or do you have to actually? No,
2: we, I mean, they still walk in, you know, the, the, the employees of the hospital, they still come in. It's like a regular retail pharmacy, but just for employees of the hospital. It's okay. a, it's, it's a really cool, it's a very unique, cool job. It's not typical in the pharmacy world. I'll I'm the first to admit that, and I'm very, very blessed to have have such a cool job with such great benefits and such great hours. like it's it's honestly almost embarrassing how great <laughs> how great it is.
0: It's a good problem to have, though
2: it is for sure.
0: so Jason, what led you to start your podcast AG state of Mind? and who do you who do you find to interview? How do you find people to interview?
2: Sure. So like first off, the first question is why? I've struggled with my mental health for going back to probably college. You know, I grew up small town, well, not small town. I grew up on a farm. My dad was a a full-time farmer, land developer. He owned this, he owned the livestock market in town. And then, you know, we had a big, we had a big cow-calf operation. So I, we also had a family business, not my, not my parents, but my brother-in-law and sister, they owned a local pharmacy. And that's something that I was interested in. We started going there and then decided to go to college for it. Well, it all sounded great on paper, right. Until I actually had to leave and go to the city. And, you know, so many people are so ready to get out of the small town. I was not, I didn't want to go. I don't want to go to the city and to, it was a scary, it was a scary thing for me to do, to go to the city. I mean, we're not very far from St. Louis. I mean, maybe 80 miles, but I mean, it may as well have been a world away, you know, so that just kicked my anxiety into overdrive. I was, whenever I was in school, I was the smart kid. I was the jock. I was popular. I was, you know, school was easy for me. I go to pharmacy school and I was none of those things, (laughs) you know? So, I mean, I was like, I just, it really kicked me in the face real hard, you know? So I, I got through pharmacy school. I don't think my mental health ever really improved. I just like masked it. I masked it because I drank a lot drink a lot and that kind of numbed the pain for a while but then i got out of pharmacy school i met my wife and she wasn't gonna have that you know which is i'm very thankful for that but it was it was a change for me And, and you know it got worse before it got better because i had been masking all these emptiness all these problems inside and now they were like coming to the forefront and just like exploding um But I got better. I got the help I needed. I I I found what worked for me. That was a lot of things. Medication, uh, counseling, exercise, journaling, all these things. And I, I got better myself. And then we had an event happen that is like the this is like the the like the genesis of the podcast, really, I. Carrie and I were at a conference in Dallas. It was July of 2019. And we left, it, this was very unlike me. I left with still work to do at home. There was hay on the ground. It was late. We It was a wet summer that summer. So we still were in the hay field. I left it. I left my dad and my 14 year old. He was 14 at the time, Levi was. And I left them to, in the hay field to, you know, just kind of tread water till we get back, get done what they could. And then we'd finish up when I got back. Well, I'm sitting in a hotel room in Dallas. Mind you, this conference wasn't for me. This conference was one for Carrie. And I was just going to tag along, kind of put life away. We just got done with the county fair, you know, a busy time. So I just, I felt like I just, it was going to be awesome to just kind of chill out for a while in a hotel room until I got that call from Levi that the, uh, the bailer was on the fire while he was bailing. Hey. And wow, like that's a call that nobody wants to get. And, you know, I tried walking through, you know, he had a fire extinguisher, but it was didn't work. Long story short, the, the tractor and Baylor both went up in flames. It was very stressful, very stressful event. But everybody was fine. I realized everybody was fine. I realized how lucky I was it was Levi on the tractor and not my dad, who's elderly and sick. And you know, we were very blessed that, that was the case. And you know, like I said, I was by myself and I had a lot of time to think. I was like, you know, there, there's a part of me that wanted to go back and up until very recently, I would have just gave in to that and went back. And, you know, even though it's an eight hour drive back home, it would have, you know, I still would have done it not thinking of the consequences or, or what I was leaving behind or whatever. And I realized that I'd gotten better. And I realized that People obviously are like me and struggle like I do. I, I knew I hadn't had, I knew I had to not be alone. There you, there had to be somebody on a similar journey. And I can't say like why I had arrived at starting a podcast, but it it, it somehow just kind of fall. You know that's, that's how the cards fell. I had no idea about how to start a podcast. I just reached out to some people who had podcasts helped me through it. And, you know, that was over two years ago and 115 episodes ago. And, you know, it's been, it's been a great journey. And, but to answer your second question, how do I find people to, who do I find and how do I find them? That was the like that was the biggest scare I had as a podcaster. Like I, I remember writing down this list of people who I wanted to talk to and it stopped at like 10. I was like, well. I mean, I guess I'll try to get through 10 episodes and see where it goes. You know, Uh, maybe that's all I do. And, you know, I did, I tried and it's, you know, that's over. But it's funny because, you know, especially those first few episodes, I would talk to somebody and they're like, oh, you should talk to this person. And then, you know, then that person, they would tell me two more people. And it just, but now I'm at a place where I don't have enough Like there's people who I've wanted to talk to since I began the podcast that I haven't had a chance to yet. And what a great problem to have, you know, and Rob Sharkey said this one time we, we talked to, I talked to Addie Yoder. She was episode 100. She's a fellow Missourian. And she said this, that Rob told her this one time that he, she asked him how he found so many interesting people to talk to. And he said, no, no, it's not that I find so many interesting people to talk to. It's that everybody is interesting everybody has a story you just have to find you know what their story is and give them the space to share it and you know that's kind of a that since I've been since I heard her say that I've really been trying to live by that and trying to you know try to find everybody's uniqueness
0: yeah I feel like you get to a point where even if you find somebody real boring you know maybe that's the unique thing about them everybody (laughs) has something
2: so I I really pride myself on making people comfortable with me, you know, that's a blessing that I have, you know, I think I've honed that in my professional life and being a pharmacist, you know, we're, you know, we've been branded before as like America's most trusted profession and you know, uh, somebody can come and talk to you all day in a pharmacy and they can stand there at your counter talk to you and you don't have to charge them anything. You know, it's not like a doctor or a lawyer with that. They have to, you know, you have to pay to talk to them. Somebody can, you can go talk to a pharmacist all day for free if you want to. So, and I have people who literally would almost do that before. And, you know, and it's great because I like people. I, I you know, I, I like totally agree with Rob's sentiments on that in that people are, everybody's interesting. Everybody has a story and I love, and I'm, you know, I genuinely have a curious mind and, you know, as, and as it goes back to, you know, the ethos of the podcast, you know, mental health and agriculture, you know, it takes a curious mind to, and somebody willing to, and to ask, And to have hard conversations with people, not just me, but like, but both ways, you know, find, you know, people, you know, willing to kind of bear their souls on, on this topic. And I really, I really think it's helped a lot of people. We've had some really great people on that just, just gave, just brought so much, I've learned so much just from the people who I've talked to.
1: It's funny you say that the that pharmacists are one of the most trusted professions because I've also heard that farmers are are up there on the list too. Right, depending on the survey. So, sure.
2: so you're
0: double you're double trustworthy.
2: Double trustworthy, right? <laughs> <laughs> I like to try to be anyway.
0: <laughs> so, do you have any podcasting tips for those of us who are? I think you're actually like 130 episodes in. So. Yeah, so you're like I
2: I, I did some like 15. Like, 15 so yeah, like, I I so I. I kind of screwed up on that because I did some like bonus episodes like that were middle of the week episodes. So it really screwed up my numbering. So I honestly have no idea how many podcasts I've actually released, but as far as like people starting out, I think my biggest advice is don't wait till it's perfect because it's never going to be perfect. I promise you. And when I started out, it was the biggest I have
0: a sticky note for that. Oh no, I can't. <laughs> we can't read it. You have to I tell not what it. It says "perfect is the enemy of finished." And
2: yes, goes, for sure. And that was up. that was the quote that got me through the first those first really tough t- those first very. If you go back and listen to those first few episodes of the podcast, man, they're terrible. They're so bad. The audio quality is so bad. I started on a computer that was like eight years old it was so such a hunk of junk it weighed like a million pounds you know i uh, the person who helped me out the most start my podcast was clay connery he has the working cows podcast and you know that podcast just by if i never even got to talk to clay his podcast alone has helped me so much in just my farming opera and my cattle operation but he went above and beyond and helped me so much starting my podcast just giving me so many tips and so many you know things to try he's the one he's the reason i have this microphone he told me to buy this microphone because it was the best one for the money it looks like you have you got you have one similar isn't an atr
1: I don't even remember. Yeah. <laughs> I just I went on went you know, went, went on one of those lists that was like, what's in my budget <laughs> and what to do? Yeah, you exactly. So, yeah, you know, yeah, it was
2: they're very affordable. Mm-hmm. So that's all I bought to start the podcast. So, but back to the original question, just start. If you want to start, just start and you'll figure it out along the way. You know, you're gonna suck for a while. Everybody who's ever been great at something at one point sucked at it. You know, Michael Jordan, believe it or not, one time sucked at basketball you know we all do anything we do anything we start out we're not going to be good at it when we first try but now i mean now looking back podcasting is like as easy as riding a bike or swimming to me now it was not always like that i promise you so i mean just reps repetition just like anything get the reps in that's still the
0: biggest biggest revelation for me was that there's no podcast police that are going to come and be like that interview sucked you're dead. yeah you're uh, nobody's paying us i mean our like eight patreon followers
2: the things it's funny the things you think that like people are gonna like catch on like your oh your audio wasn't that great or you know you sounded kind of echoey there nobody really cares like nobody really cares that's the great yeah. part about it like if, if the message is good enough nobody really cares about the quality you know It's just, it doesn't have to be perfect. That's, that's my biggest, like anybody starting out, that's my biggest, you know, word of advice is it doesn't have to be perfect.
0: I realized today too, that our target audience is probably all listening, you know, on gravel roads or with little kids around or with cows or something. So they're not going to hear any background noise. For sure. Yeah. Too much going on in their own worlds. Yep. If they hear
1: a rooster, they might think it's theirs and it's actually Katie's. (laughs) <laughs> you are gonna know it's mine i gave up real quick
0: on editing that out i was just like yeah
2: <laughs> nobody cares nobody cares that's what i noticed too that, you know i think about my target audience you know Are they going to care about my, about what, you know, the little subtleties? No, they're not. I mean, I'm not, I'm not Joe Rogan, you know, I don't have to have a perfect, you know, ambiance and, and perfect pitch and everything like that. I mean, nobody's paying me to do this, you know, it's in, and when you realize that it's very liberating, it's very freeing, you know, you quit worrying about the little things and focus on the conversation and there, and that makes the conversation a lot of fun.
1: So our main goal in our podcast is to be a resource and a a community for farm families and for for parents. Mm. So one thing that I was thinking about while listening to your podcast and other podcasts on mental health is sometimes we don't talk all that much about how we support our kids and talk to our kids about mental health. So I wonder if you have any any tips on talking to our kids about that kind of stuff or what you've done with your own family or what you would, would suggest to other people?
2: So a big part of it, you know, and what's nice about what I do is, is I'm very open about what I do. I'm very open about what I talk about. And so, and my kids see what I do. So for me, it's easy, right? I mean, it's part of what I do. They see me, but we do have very intimate conversations. I have one son in particular, who's, he's a lot like me, bless his. Or little heart he's you know he's highly emotional he's intense he has a very hard time you know accept like when he quote unquote fails to accept that failure that's me too not to not to talk about him you know but he's the best little boy but he got so frustrated with himself just before we got on here because you know he's he hasn't been working on pushups and he, he like he busted out so many pushups last year and got the, you know, the presidential fitness award or whatever. And he just went down right now and he could, he could, couldn't even do five pushups. He was so hard on himself, but like, and so we try to like, we try to not focus on results with our kids. Right. I think that's a big part of what, like we're, we're, I would know, I was always chasing that, 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 whatever that gold trophy was, you know, whatever. And not to say that I don't wanna encourage my kids to win because I do, but I wanna focus on their efforts more than I wanna focus on their results. I wanna focus on their growth. And I think when you do that instead of, and you just totally take results out, you know, results are more kind of like icing on a cake to me. Whenever our, my kids can put forth their best effort and give their, give their all, and then just let the chips fall where they may. That's what we focus on. You know, we focus on them being good human beings. We focus on them being good, hard-working young humans. And, and here's another place where we see it. You know, we I like to involve my kids in competition because you can see the fruits of your labor so easily. So we show cattle at the county fair. Now our, our we don't have show cattle. I go get calves out of my herd and my kids take them because it's, it's economical for them. It's easier, you know, and now some people don't do that. Some people go spend a lot of money and they're the ones that win it. And, you know, being able to show kids like what happens when you, you know, cause and effect relationship in that kind of stuff. It's really, it's, it's fun. And they, they learn how to lose at the county fair. And that's what I love about it is even when they work really hard, sometimes they lose. Sometimes their best, you know, is still not going to win. And it's an important lesson in life because it kind of keeps you, keeps you going. I mean, you still want to win, but you have to, you know, you're going to probably lose more than you're going to win if you're doing it right. So like putting yourself out there and not, Concerning yourself so much with the results, but focusing on the effort that tried to, you know, that you tried to get to those results. That's what I'm trying to do is that's what we are trying to do as parents is, is focus on that effort.
1: So and there's so much you can't. Control about what other people are doing, right? You know, someone else might put in little effort, but they just have this natural ability that all of a sudden, you know, they're winning every trophy. Yeah, yeah. But it doesn't doesn't say anything about about your kid who's you know exactly trying their hardest and putting their heart into it and really really being or being a good teammate, all that kind of stuff doesn't necessarily win you any prizes. But yeah, it makes a difference.
2: Yeah, and it's just you know being okay, you know, just being very content with yourself. I think that's a big, and I know so much of like my mental health struggles have been born out of lack of contentment with, with myself. I'm very, it's very hard for me to be content with myself. You know, it's part of what drives me, but also it's part of what gives me a lot of anxiety too. So like trying to focus on being like grounded and content and happy and looking at life and health holistically you know looking at the bigger picture all the time you know trying to see 10 10- five, 10 years down the road, instead of five, 10 minutes down the road, you know, those, those things, you know, there's sometimes it kind of sounds abstract, but you know, we try to keep it pretty simple as parents. And, and we, we do, we focus, we focus on those things. And, you know, when we tell their kids that it's okay to struggle, it's okay to, it's okay to like acknowledge, like, Hey, this sucks. This isn't fun. I don't like this. I don't, dad, I, I hate putting the dishes away, putting the dishes away sucks. Like, yeah, I know it sucks. You still got to do it. So you may as well just do it. You know what I mean? So like, you know, I mean, just try try to give them little uh, safe lessons in life before they get out into the real world. And, you know, just hopefully that'll make them prepared.
0: Well, and I think it's so good for kids to see adults struggling with things and learning new things and doing stuff that sucks. Because it's so easy to see other people, things just coming naturally to them and think that I, there's something wrong with you rather than that there's something weird about them if it comes that easily you know and so folks with a real talent for something
2: i that was me i never saw my parents struggle i was the youngest of five and like i was the baby baby like my youngest brother was 13 years older than me my oldest brother was 25 years older than me i was way down the line, right? I mean, I was spoiled beyond spoiled. And, you know, I saw my parents, my parents, when I was like in high school, were in their fifties and sixties. And I never saw them struggle with money. I never saw them, you know, have to talk about worrying about paying the mortgage or anything like that, because for the most part, they were past that part of life. So I had no idea how to be a young adult, Right. I had no idea to be a 20, 30 year old adult and still, you know, trying to deal with, you know, having a bunch of young kids and what it meant to have like a real family. I mean, I'm not saying we weren't a real family, but we sure weren't typical. So I missed out on a lot of that stuff. And I didn't see my dad struggle very much. I thought my dad was the like, I thought my dad was perfect. I thought my dad was up there with Jesus. You know what I mean? Like he was that great, but I I shared this on a blog and my podcast a few weeks ago. It was during deer season here and Carter, the one that actually, he struggles similarly to how I do. We were walking back from the deer stand. It was, we were trying to find some, we we saw some deer. We were walking to him, trying to get closer, Uh, shot at one of them and I missed. I never once saw my dad shoot at anything and miss it. He was that good. And like, so like part of me, like right at the beginning, I'm like, oh man, he saw me miss. That's, that sucks. That's no good. But then I stopped real fast. I'm like, no, it's good that he saw me miss because he's, he'll realize one day when he's 37 years old and he's out hunting with his 10, 11 year old son and and he misses, that's Okay. You know, our kids need to see us fail. Our kids, like it's very important for our children to see us fail as adults because, you know, we, they see us fail, but not just to see us fail, but to see us fail and then keep trying, you know, not let it discourage us. It's very, very important and something that, I didn't get a lot of when I was a kid. And, you know, my parents did the best. I'm not a victim of anything. So I don't want anybody to ever think that. But I, I, I'm i seeing very clear now that our kids our need to see us as parents struggle.
1: And how we respond to that struggle too. You know, exactly. where, where if you had started you know through your gun or you know like had a big blow up over the fact that you had missed the shot then that would teach him something too about you know your exactly. response <laughs> to failure yeah. so and you know how, and we, I, how we respond to that
2: so, i'm not yeah. perfect in this either i don't want anybody to think <laughs> maybe
1: you I, did have maybe you did go off on a tangent. i tire.
2: did in that time i was very <laughs> proud of myself but i i screw up often so i don't big I'm sitting my, sit on my high horse here because I'm not. I'm, I am far, far from perfect, but, you know, I just, I, I do have the ability to recognize some things and I'm, I'm thankful for that.
0: I know. So my kids are just turned five and the second one will be four in April. So pretty soon. And I don't know, a few months ago, probably I yelled at the kids, just frustrated, tired, just lost my temper and realizing how important it is to apologize to kids like their mm. people, mm. and how hard it was to legitimately openly apologize to my kid and say, I was wrong, I shouldn't have yelled.
2: It's to difficult. a four
0: year old was just, you know, cause I was not, I was not raised that way. And no. certainly, you know, big Irish Catholic family on both sides, nobody yeah. apologized <laughs> Same. Yeah. i mean it
2: was you know we were you know my my dad was my my folks were you know that that's how they were raised too there was not a you know it was there was not a whole lot of emotion you know i mean we, we were a huggy happy family but there wasn't there was a lot of good emotion or not shouldn't say good emotion a lot of light emotion a lot of you know positive emotion we didn't show a lot of only thing I ever saw was I saw my dad be angry and that's all I ever saw from him, you know? And, you know, that's just, that was a product of the time, you know? So I'm, I'm being very, trying to be very open with my kids, with how uh, I process my feelings too, to try and set them up to, to succeed, you know, where I may have stumbled, you know, trying to, trying to help them where I can.
0: Well, and I think you're right that it's such a, a product of the times because, you know, I think the same as like getting mental health care, that it wasn't like people thought about getting help and then didn't. It just wasn't a thing. You know, you
2: mm-hmm, didn't mm-hmm. get
0: mental health help. You didn't apologize to your kids. It just right. wasn't, you know, wasn't something anybody was doing.
2: For sure. Yeah. No, you're right. So um, it's it's a paradigm shift for sure.
0: Yeah. I I was actually listening to your anxiety episode today, and I was really wishing it was live because I had a lot of thoughts, uh, huh, and not, yeah. not in a negative way. I actually didn't realize that what I was feeling was anxiety until the last seven or eight years, probably. I thought everybody yeah. else was just chill, and I just couldn't handle it. You know, I've uh-huh. always just been a little a little too intense, a little too sensitive, you know, whatever else. And then I got postpartum anxiety and that, wow, off the rails. And so learning about the difference between something being common and something being normal that, you know, postpartum anxiety and depression and anxiety in general are very common, but they're not normal and they should not be treated as just a A normal side effect of having kids. And how much people brush that off is, you know, well, new moms are always nervous. Like, yeah, but, you know, when it's...
2: Well, so I, I, the way I viewed anxiety over the past year and a half or so has changed a lot. Because anxiety in itself isn't a bad thing. Anxiety is a lot of times a proper response to whatever stimuli you are given for, in your case, it was, it was children it was postpartum mine. It's a lot of mine comes from the stress of maintaining a multi-generational farm at the same time as doing all the other things, you know, it's perfectly natural to, in fact, it's built into our DNA to, to, react to that with, you know, some sort of anxiety, some sort of, so, I mean, the anxiety itself isn't necessarily the problem. It's how we treat the anxiety. That's the problem. How we, how we go from there, you know, how do you, how do you deal with your anxiety? Do you Whenever you're feeling anxious, do you go get on your phone and scroll Instagram? Do you do something else destructive? Do you drink alcohol? Do you drink caffeine? Do you you know gamble, overeat, whatever it may be, or do you do something that's maybe soothing? Do you you or not even necessarily soothing? Do you? face the problem head on or something like that. I read a book that really changed my outlook on this. And it was called Redefining Anxiety by John Deloney. He's a part of Dave Ramsey's team. And wow, it just like, I never thought of it that way. I never, and then I heard, and then I listened to the Joe Rogan podcast with Jewel. And they said the very same thing on there. Like, yeah. Yeah. Anxiety is, I mean, it's a normal thing. It's a normal thing to feel anxiety. And so whenever I heard that, I was like, oh yeah, that's a, it's okay to feel this way, you know, but where you go from there, that's where the problems come in and what you do about it. That's, that's where the issue, that's where the issues arise. Yeah, And really you know, agree. I've done all the wrong things. If, if you, if it was wrong, I've done it like pretty much, you know, so I, I try really hard now to, not do the wrong things i still fail but i think i'm getting better
0: i really like the analogy you used in your episode too about anxiety being like a car alarm that it's not Mm. the alarm that's the problem as much as what's causing it and how you respond to it and
2: exactly yes
0: For me, you know, I had problems with anxiety before, but it was like the car alarm you get when somebody breathes on your car and the alarm just flips out. Mm -hmm.
2: Whatever. Mm -hmm.
0: But the postpartum anxiety was a lot more like if your car was on fire and like also rolling down a hill covered in rabid raccoons and you're like, yeah, the alarm's going off. You know, whatever. And so just the, the really helping people assess where that line is like for me that was such a huge part of starting this show is to talk about how common so many of these struggles are but also that you can go and get help and Mm -hmm. it honestly it didn't occur to me my best friend finally messaged me one day and said you know you can call your doctor or i'm going to and it Mm -hmm. was you know just having someone force the point like that and really say you know you can Get help for this was really kind of mind blowing because too you know, when you were in your episode talking about learning techniques for dealing with anxiety, that waiting until somebody's having an acute problem with it and then being like, "Well, have you tried meditation?" You know, you don't. If somebody's drowning, you don't say, "Have you tried learning to swim?" Well, no yeah. shit, thank you. That's yeah. Helpful. yeah, 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 yeah. You know, yeah. it's yeah. We need to be teaching our children these things so that they know where those lifeboats are before they're, you know, drowning somewhere with no help.
2: Well, like, yeah, you don't, like, you don't, you don't treat, like, I'm trying to put this in the forms of another medical problem because that's how my brain works, but, you know, it's not like, you don't whenever somebody's having a heart attack, you don't say to them, "Well, have you tried putting less salt on your food?" you know, like that's yeah, the same yeah. type of thing. You know <laughs> in, you know, acute problems require acute treatments right but it's but that salt thing that should have been something that was implemented a long time ago our anxiety our mental health is very similar in the fact that you know the little things the meditation the journaling the exercise whatever it is you know all those things those things need to be done way before it gets to that acute crisis mode you know now when you're in the acute crisis mode none of that's going to do anything right but the the goal the key is trying to quit it stop it from ever getting to that acute phase
0: yeah and I think that's exactly it because I mean now you know I'm anxiety is probably just going to be a lifelong thing because that's who I am but now it's at a point where you know meditation drinking more water getting more exercise all of that makes a tremendous difference yeah but when I was in you know, the worst part of postpartum. And I couldn't, like, I got to the point that I was having panic attacks every time I tried to drive, that I couldn't, like, I physically could not leave the baby downstairs with my husband if I was going upstairs because I would have panic attacks. And, like, that sort of acute anxiety, there's no amount of meditation that's, I wasn't physically capable of meditating at that point. Sure, sure, right,
2: exactly. Yep, It's yep. You know, it's, yeah, it's it needs to be done we, way before yeah. you know that kind of stuff needs to be done way before it's not like a in the moment thing
0: yeah yeah but i think mental health it's so important to for people to understand it because i think people are afraid and they don't know what to say so they just bust out some well, have you tried yoga? You know, have you have you tried <laughs> meditating? You're like, yeah, but that's not helpful, you know. And they, yeah, yeah, I think and folks
2: do mean well, but and it's and it's important to, you know, you're right, people do mean well, but it's it's also like important to realize that you know not everything's gonna work for you. You know, I'll I'll talk about counseling too, because I was one of those people who said, you know counseling doesn't work for me. I mean even when I've started the podcast I'm like counseling's never been that great for me because it wasn't until very very inf- like I mean within the last couple of months I found a counselor that I gel with. That's a big that's a like a, that's a huge like burden lifted off of your shoulders. I actually had a session with her this afternoon. Nothing's wrong. Nothing, you know, acutely is wrong with me right now. I'm feeling pretty good. uh but I still had that session and, you know, was still able to like, you know, discover some stuff. And it was, it's awesome. You know, I, I, you know, it's, you know, counselors are, are hard. It's hard to, you know, it's hard to see like whenever you don't have the one that you're, when you have the one that you're not gelling with, it's like, you know, this thing sucks. But like once, but man, once you do get that one, that's great. It's like, it's just, it's, it's, it's it it takes it to another level
0: yeah i re started with a new therapist this summer i want to say and you know i've had some really good therapists but this one i feel like pretty much every session you know i'll start with i don't really have anything to talk about and then an hour later we've pulled out you know like 15 years worth of stuff and that really
2: yeah (laughs) yeah you
0: know you can tell when you're talking to the right person and you have to be in the right Sure. place with yourself to knock to right. that out yes for sure and i admire that you can still come on and record after a session because we did one session after or one interview after i had therapy and decided we were never doing that again that, <laughs> it was a bad yeah. interview <laughs> yeah.
1: not on bad. katie's end it was fine for me yeah. i i wouldn't I, have known but she had some feelings sure. about it yeah so I want to talk to you a little bit about the the stigma and kind of the the language that people sometimes use about and I'm using like the little quote signs here medicating our kids. And yeah. I'm going to be honest on this one without trying to be sensitive to my to my kids medical stuff too, but medication has been part of our life as a family and it's a decision that we made as parents and it's been life changing. And It was, it felt like a big decision at the time. And yet looking back, you know, I wish that we had done it earlier and you know, that, that it, you know, I don't, I don't know if this is going too far, but it was potentially life-saving in in our family situation. So I, my back gets up when people get into that, Oh, you know, we shouldn't be medicating our kids and it's risky and all that kind of stuff, you know, because I think under the right, conditions and with the right professionals that, that the medication that we as adults are, are breaking down the stigma around should be available to our kids. Because I think some of the the issues that people experience in adulthood, maybe if they had been dealt with or been more open with as, as children, it, you know, maybe better coping strategies would have been available for, for people. So I just, as a pharmacist, I wondered what your thoughts were on medication and kids and all that kind of stuff.
2: You know, it's funny because I used to be in that boat and like, well, we shouldn't medicate kids. They're, you know, they need to have more discipline. They need to have more, you know, structure. But, you know, all the things. They used to say all the things. And those things are important. Like, those things are important. I don't want to discount that because they are. You know, kids need discipline. They need structure. They need all those things. Sometimes that's not enough for some kids. And I'm realizing that real fast now that I'm a parent. You know, we, we haven't had to medicate our children. You know, I'm thankful for that, but it, it's not off the table for me. I take medication. I, I take into, I, I take an antidepressant. I take Cymbalta. There was a time where I thought that would made me less than, you know, I thought it made something was wrong with me. Now I realize that it's just a tool. It's a tool and a toolkit, you know, you don't, and not everybody, you, not everybody is going to benefit from every tool you know a plumber doesn't have a lot of good to do with you know they don't have a lot to do with a claw hammer right you know not saying that a claw hammer isn't useful to a framer you know what i mean but a plumber eh, that, that that claw is not going to be a whole lot of good he needs a good set of vice grips and a pipe wrench you know and that's why we have to we have to start seeing the medications that way and that they're absolutely essential for some people like they are essential i mean they are that's the reason we have modern medicine is we saw something missing and we found a solution to that, to that problem. And, you know, it, there's no shame in it. Children, adult, anybody. And, you know, especially parents when they're, they make the decision to medicate their child. That's, you know, that's, there's, you're doing the best you know how. You're doing the best you can for your child. You're giving them the best opportunity to thrive in this world. And if it takes medication, that's okay because that's what it's there for. You know, you know, and again, I used to be in the same boat. I used to feel the same way until I really dove deep. And I think it's when I started having kids of my own and they got older, and you know, if, if somebody, if if it was get the option was given to me, is you know, your child's struggling, and this gives him the opportunity to have a better life. You bet, you know. You bet your ass. That's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna medicate my kid because that's that's giving them a better life.
1: I yeah, know. and I mean those medications have come along with you know years of research and sure. you know it, it's not random. You know, you know, right. our, our doctors aren't aren't prescribing things that are that are you know untested or, or unfounded. You know, like the, for sure. Yeah, there's a, a lot of work that goes into to creating medicine that that can be
0: safely used for our kids.
2: Yeah, yeah.
0: I know, too, I had added in here about sort of the same stigma around being medicated while pregnant or, you know, nursing or whatever. And, I mean, there are are definitely risk factors to consider about adding anything to your body when you're growing another human. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But the number of people I know who've been hurt by this, well, the baby's health is the highest priority, so to hell with the mother's mental health, you know, is terrifying how little consideration a lot of folks seem to have for the fact that the mother is still a human and that the stress of... Not having the tools you need causes a lot of physical stress as well. And, you know, even as someone who was very nervous about being medicated during pregnancy, it was absolutely the right choice. And I mean, my doctor and I, you know, had a lot of discussions about it before we did it. But it, you know, I wasn't about to go off my asthma medication Right, was pregnant, you know, and you wouldn't ask somebody to go off insulin because they're pregnant, and certainly you know, depending on risk factors and
2: yeah, and you, else, you do you have you to know. do some sort of risk benefit analysis on things, and you know there's some times where the risks are greater than the benefits of being on meds in a certain situation, pregnancy resting, whatever it may be. So you have to do that. And only person that, re- I mean, people can give you the information. Physicians can give you the information. Healthcare professionals can give you the information. But the only person ultimately can that can make that decision for you is you. So you have to educate yourself and be very aware of all the things that potentially can happen and then make the decision that's best for you going forward from there.
0: Yeah, I guess because so much of why I at least am doing the podcast is to just put out there that other people do these things and that it's very,
2: mm-hmm.
0: um, you know, when there's a lot of stigma around something, we don't know that other people are doing it because it's stigmatized. And so we just don't sure. ever mention it. And I'm sure there are plenty of people who are have judged me, will judge me, whatever, for being medicated during pregnancy, but...
2: Yeah, Tough people matter. They're not matter. Yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly. Like you know, uh, that that kind of stuff doesn't matter. And I and I think that's one of the things that I've learned the most about as I've grown older. And you know, I've made decisions that you know, not ne- that sometimes go against the status quo with stuff. Nobody else has to live your life but you. You know, it, it's it's between you and your creator. And that's, that's all that, that's all there is. And you know, if you can, if it's, it's up to you to make those decisions and nobody else, nobody else has a say in it.
0: Yeah. I feel like our family motto and maybe our show motto is getting to, you know, be helpful or be quiet real quick. <laughs> yeah. Cause that's just kind of, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. you can help or you can shut up. It's, right.
2: Yep. I, For sure. I know
0: that I care what you think. So since a lot of us are you know as as farmers and as parents are becoming you know in the sandwich generation that we're raising children and dealing with an older generation what are your thoughts or tips on approaching mental health challenges with an aging generation especially since mental health care for a lot of folks hasn't been
2: Uh, a thing that's that's a tough question you know i was hoping Um, you had a magic answer for this one i wish i did you know i'd probably be I'd probably not be working anymore if I did, right? You know what I mean? All I can say is how I approach it. And, you know, my dad's at the end of his life right now. And, you know, it's really hard to see not only him go through it, but my mom go through it too. And just being very respectful of them, no no matter what they're outlook on what you do and what how you talk about it and just being respectful of them and i don't know if we're ever going you know the older generation i don't know if it's ever going to get through to them what really needs to happen right and as a whole anyway but you know what it's funny almost it's almost without a doubt I can pick out the person who's gonna come talk to me when I'm when I'm speaking at a place. I can almost pick out the person that's gonna come talk to me afterwards while I'm giving the talk. And the majority of the time it's the old farmer, it's the old guy. He's not gonna raise his hand and say, Oh, this is what happened to me, blah, 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 blah. You know, he's gonna come up real quiet, real, you know, shake your hand. I appreciate it this is what happened to me, you know, real quiet, real private, like, and man, that, that, that feels good. When when an old guy comes up and talks to you like that, like, wow, you're making a difference. You know, that's, that's very satisfying because you know, they need it. And whether they say it or not, you know, I always like kind of, it always makes me think of my dad. We had this dog when I was a kid and it was a, it was a dachshund, right. You know, a wiener dog. And He'd always cuss that dog. He hated that dog. Blah 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 blah. But like, you know, who went with him every night to the barn to check horses? Yeah, and, then, and you know, my then dad grows up. Yeah, then my dad. You know, my dad always he hated. You see, he, would, he would always cuss that dog, and you know, she'd always go out to. But like, so like, what that analogy is is that people are actually you know they don't always. Sh- say what they really mean right they don't always say they're 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 gonna be you know they're gonna give that tough image sometime they're gonna act like they don't really care but like deep, like if it, when it really comes down to it and, you know, nobody's sometimes paying attention, they're going to give you your, their, your true feelings. And you know and that's what, and that's what I love about, you know, when those old guys come up to me, like they're not, they're not doing it for anybody else to hear they are doing it because they think it's the right thing to come and share with you. And that's, that's really, really cool when that happens. I, I, I just, I love it.
1: So part of mental health is trying to find some kind of Balance in life, and it seems like this is a question that I'll often gets asked of of mothers in particular. But as a dad who's doing a, a lot of different things, how do you find balance in your your family life and farm and business and podcast and all the things you're doing? How do you how do you try and do it all, or how do you find balance in all that stuff?
2: I don't. I don't. Balance is not a that's like not a thing anymore for me, like because. The way I see balance is, if you if you have everything balanced equally, you're probably not something's not getting the attention that it actually deserves. So, instead, I I I I challenge that a little bit and say that I give everything the appropriate attention at the appropriate time. Sometimes my cow herd is the priority. You know, it's weaning, you know, we're weaning right now. It's a lot of work right now. you know, there's a lot of times, you know, but we, but we also do it in November when we don't have a lot of November and December where there's not a whole lot else going on. My kids don't play basketball or anything. So it's an appropriate time now, whenever spring rolls around and we're playing baseball seven nights a week, you know, the cowherd kind of takes a back seat. And I plan things around that. So I think a big part of it is planning as much as you can. Now, I know a lot of times planning is a dirty word with, around people, you know, farmers, because like, oh, you can't plan for anything because everything's, you know, you never, you never know what's going to happen. And that's true. Like, I mean, I, I can't argue with that. But I mean, it doesn't mean that you can't have a plan still and try to stick to it as much as possible. And that's where I am thankful for Carrie, my wife. She's like, she's like the planner extraordinaire. We I mean, she gets things figured out probably way before she really needs to, but like our lives are better before. That's why we're able to do so many things is because we plan, we plan things. we I know, I pretty much know what every day of my life is what's going to happen for the next three months. Like I do. And that's, that's how we're able to do so many things is we just, you know, we, we, give every hour of the day a job you know kind of like balance you know kind of like balancing a budget you know we budget our time among whatever needs to happen whenever
0: i can tell you i'm a i'm a planner and i married into a non-planning family and every time
2: i hear we're terrible my in-laws the meadows are notoriously terrible planners
0: they're my in-laws are fantastic people. We have a good relationship, but every time they say, well, we're not really calendar people. <laughs> Just...
2: that, sounds like, that sounds like us. That sounds like the Meadows. Because I'll know. be
0: asking them if they can watch the kids for, you know, an hour next week and they'll say, well, we're not really calendar people. Like, well. I'm not asking if you want to, you know, have coffee at some point next week. I'm asking if you can commit to watching the kids. <laughs> like, you know, I, I need an answer. I just, it's, uh, it's hard to be the one who's tightly wound. <laughs> yeah. Family that is not. <laughs> um, so as a parent to a whole, uh, a whole crew of kids, what's one of your funniest parenting moments?
2: You know, I asked, I asked Carrie this question today. We're trying to figure it out. And <laughs> my funniest one, and to me, this is one, this one is like famous among our, not just our family, but like our circle of friends. There's this place, I, I still, every day, I, or not every day anymore, but every day Carrie and the kids do, because it's, it's, it's a turn we make every day to go to town. It's, you know, we turn off our farm road to onto a main road and Levi was, it was before the twins were born. So he was probably four years old. And I say, we pull up, I stop and I say, Levi, is it clear? You know, like, is there any car, are there any cars coming? And he said, yeah, it's clear. We drive, you know, so I pull out, get along, drive down the road, you know, about 10 seconds later, he says... What's clear mean?
0: Oh, children. <laughs>
2: oh, that one still gets me every time.
0: Yeah. Hello. Yeah. Kids are, there's something.
2: Yeah. I don't know.
0: So what are some of your
1: goals going forward for both the farm, for the podcast, for family life in general? What, what are you looking forward to? I mean, you said you got your life planned out. So what's yeah. What's plan? You
2: know, we're looking forward. And you know, like I say, I try to, I try to as far as the podcast is concerned i try to have a a speaking engagement once a month you know no matter how big or how small cuz i really like that i like talking to people i like getting out in front of people the farm i i really want it to i really want it to be something you know long term i want it to be something that my kids can come back home to if they want to you know i want it to be something that one of my kids if he chooses to makes a career out of it. That was never an option for me. My dad never put that on the table. And now, I mean, I wouldn't change anything, but like I, I would have liked to have seen that even be an option, you know? That was never an option for me. So I'd like to see that opportunity present itself to one of my kids. For our family, we've just, and Carrie and I made this decision, you know, as parents, we always spend a lot of money on a lot of junk, right? A lot of crap just things that are useless. I feel like toys and games and whatever. And, you know, Carrie and I said, we are talking today, like I want to, and, we, and we've been doing a much better job of this, spending our time and money on experiences, you know, going places, seeing things. And we've got two planned trips planned out Well, the one I got to be quiet here because the kids don't know about this one. We're going to, we're going to Florida in March and going to Universal Studios and Kennedy Space Center and the whole deal. And then in the summertime, we're going to Utah to go to national parks. I'm gonna, uh, Levi's going to visit colleges. You know, he's going to be, he's going to be a senior next year. And, you know, he's either looking at going to BYU or Utah State. And, you know, so trying to we really want them to go to Utah state because it's a beautiful campus. We have some of our best friends live just right down the road from there. And, you know, so we've got a pretty good idea. Now, if any of this comes to fruition, I, that would be awesome. Right. But like, it's like you say, you know, you got to make a plan, even if it just, if you don't, if it doesn't go the way it's supposed to, it's, it's better to still have a plan.
1: Yeah. I've, we're at this point, crossing the border is still difficult all the time in, in mm-hmm. Canada. So mm-hmm. we had a Florida trip planned in 2020. And I uh, currently have a house booked in Florida for March. But who knows if we'll be able oh, to use gosh. it or not. It's got, Man, it's got free guys. cancellation. So it was like, yeah, plan it. But I've also got a couple of backup options oh, in the, the back of my head, too, because <laughs> what might happen. Right? rules right. change seems every week.
2: Right. Yeah. Yeah.
0: It's just so crazy as uh, as an older parent to hear you guys talking about your kids, like, visiting colleges. And my kids are still, like, don't understand the concept of kindergarten yet. Mm-hmm. We're still <laughs> yeah. at that stage of things.
2: Yeah. yeah
1: Today I had the my first time where I was in the passenger seat. My daughter just got her learner's permit on uh, last week. So it was the first time where she left our, our dead-end country road and we actually drove, you know, the few kilometers into town where I was in the passenger seat. So yeah, it was nerve wracking, but a whole new stage.
2: Yeah. See mine's he's driving all by himself. he's 16. So he, he takes the kids to school and stuff a lot of days.
0: So Jason, one of my favorite question, anyway, what county fair contest real or totally made up could you dominate?
2: I didn't give this one much thought.
1: We already know his cattle aren't winning any classes.
2: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. (laughs) County fair.
0: I like to to guess who's gonna know exactly what they'd win, and who has to think about it. Because we've had yeah. some guests that are just.
2: So my problem know. is, I've competed in about every one of them, and I know I I know I don't win any of them. So <laughs> that's my that's my issue.
0: Well, maybe there's a like a red ribbon winning contest. Maybe, maybe yeah. That
2: one. Let's see.
1: That's the good thing about being able to make up a category, though. So I mean, you can yeah, cater if, this. To you know, your if particular if they skills. had a
2: category, if they had a class for someone who could drink a glass of water the fastest, it'd be. Oh.
0: Me.
2: I would do that. I'd win that. I'd win being that's, able to. That's impressive. Tri- yeah, you know, it's it's pretty spectacular how fast I can drink <laughs> water.
0: That's. I mean, that's a good skill right there. I mean, that's that's a real creative category. That's not one we've yeah. heard before. <laughs> <laughs> Arlene, is it time for Cussing and Discussing? I think it is time for Cussing and Discussing.
1: So as always, if any listeners would like to Cuss and Discuss with us, you can send us a voice memo or email or private message and we can read it out for you. And so this is a place to vent or just talk about any random topic that you want to to discuss in any given day. So Katie, are you going to cuss or discuss today? What have you got
0: for us? Well, since you pointed out how much I cost, I thought I'd discuss her. So my husband was telling me today that he's got a friend who's coming to pick up a tractor on Saturday. I don't know if he's coming here or the dealership or what, I don't know. And he said, well, you know, it's uh, Cody, and, Cody and Jen. Okay, he goes, their dog's name is Kyle. Okay. I said, what kind of dog is he, Jim? He says, well, he's a, he's a yellow lab. Okay. I said why did you tell me their dog's name and he goes well because I figured you'd know who they were if I told you their dog's name I know you wouldn't know their names <laughs> I was like you know Is that I thought about it for characteristic a second I, of you? I totally do know who he was talking about just based on what <laughs> kind of dog I'm, uh, I'm famous at church pretty soon after Jim and I got married I think you know I was introduced to some new folks and I knew what corner they were saying they lived on and I said, was well, it the place with the ducks? And they said, no. And I said, is it the place with the cows? And they said, no. And I said, was well, it the place with the big dog? And he said, no. And I said, well, there's another house on that corner. <laughs> and they were actually just voted the prettiest farm in Iowa this year. Because oh, wow. they have a real nice, I mean, they're nice, nice folks. And it is a beautiful farm. And they do, uh, you know, they work real hard on it. And they take a lot of pride in it. But since there weren't any animals in the front yard, I never noticed it was even there. So that's kind of where I'm at with it. Jason, do you have anything you want to cuss and discuss? You can pass it off to Arlene if you need more time to think.
2: No, I mean, I'm actually just real. I don't, I was kind of having a hard day, I don't know, a couple days ago. And I hate that this happens this way. You guys heard about the storms that ran through Kentucky. One of my, one of my friends from pharmacy school, owned and operated a pharmacy in that town in kentucky in mayfield kentucky and it was destroyed and you know i saw cnn interview with him today actually and it just you could see the pain on his face and you know i hate that it happens this way but like you know it makes all my problems just like disappear and you know i my heart is like out to those people down there because you know the people from western kentucky are some of the nicest people you ever meet in your life and you know some friends of ours are trying to figure out what we're going to do to try and help them and you know it's like what do you do in a time like that other than just think and pray for them offer condolences you know hopefully we can figure something out to help them out
1: yeah I know this is you know I'm sure it's still a present situation for them, but I mean, it was in the news a few weeks ago now with the flooding in British Columbia here mm-hmm. in Canada. I mean it's you know on the opposite side of the country to me, but you know, I was at a the Holstein show the National Holstein show, and it seemed to be you know what everyone was talking about, you know those those pictures of people rescuing cows from flood water oh, gosh. yeah, you just just think about how it impacts people's people's lives and livelihoods and and, yeah yeah you know feeling feeling both grateful that it's not you and and almost helpless that there's not more you can you can do to to support people right
2: and that you know that's something that i didn't talk about it like that helped begin the podcast too is you know the seeds were kind of sown whenever we had the they had the floods in nebraska in the spring of 19 where all those gals were killed i mean it was just a sickening sight to see. And, you know, that was another thing, you know, that I think maybe kind of got some of the gears turning on that and just people, uh, man, they, then they're still suffering. Like there's, that's not like a one-time thing, you know, that, Mm -hmm. that that kind of stuff lingers on, it doesn't stop, you know, so it's, there's, they're still recovering from that.
1: Yeah, I know they were talking about the flooding in BC and I mean, the pictures that we saw were people rescuing cows, but a a lot of what wasn't seen was, you know, chicken farmers and pork farmers who, you know, those animals
2: didn't have a chance.
1: Yeah. You can't get them out on a boat or, or, -hmm. I mean, a lot of that land was so high value, you know, it was people growing blueberries and vineyards and the types Mm -hmm. of crops that take years to establish and, you know, who knows what that land will look like. Right. When it when it comes out from the floodwater, right? It's not gonna be what it was before, right. you know, because now it's contaminated and right. Yeah, so
0: well and that was Yeah, there's a
1: lot out there that we can't we can't really uh, help, you know, in the scale that we want to, but you know, yeah, there's there are little ways
0: that we can support people.
2: Right, right.
0: Honestly, too, for me that was a large part of wanting to be able to do more connection between producers and and consumers was that, you know, I remember seeing all these people with the flooding and the blizzards and everything else saying, "Well, why don't they just do something about it?" And like, <laughs> there's no imagining the scale that we're talking about if you're not part of it. And you know, when you're looking at thousands of cows freezing to death, I mean, it's what it's not like the farmers were just like, meh, I had things to do today. You know? right. like, yeah. Like there's no way to fix it. And right. being able to explain that to people and really show it to them, you know, I think is such a huge thing that it's just, they're just gone. That's, you know. mm-hmm. Arlene, hopefully your topic is a little more <laughs> puppy kitten situation. Oh yeah. So the,
1: the notes so, that I had, I didn't he, want to ruin uh... it. sorry. That's all right. No, we went in a different direction. My, my, I guess, cussing, I suppose, brings it back to Katie's theme of dogs. We've all all been talking about dogs tonight, but we have a a newish puppy in our house and um, a barn kitten that seems to have migrated to the house. And they've turned into this tag team where the kitten will knock stuff off of, say, a, a piece of furniture or maybe sneak up onto the table and knock something off. And then the puppy will grab it and run onto the couch with it. So we've got like the, just the perfect companions to each other for someone releasing the things that I don't want the puppy to have. And then again, just tearing them apart with his little sharp teeth. So that was my, they're, they're adorable, but they're just, just making messes together.
0: Arlene, yeah. is that puppy sitting there with you?
1: The puppy's not going anywhere near the Christmas tree.
0: No, this is the kitten. Oh, okay. <laughs> Arlene got a Jack Russell puppy, right? Jack Russell Cross, mm-hmm. is that right?
1: Yeah, he's not a purebred, but yeah, mostly Jack Russell. Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah
1: we're, we're doing puppy school and there's this big Newfoundland dog. <laughs> <who's> just this <laughs> giant ball of fluff. And the owners were saying, oh yeah, he's already 65 pounds. <laughs> it's a whole different dog experience. It's hard to believe they're all the same same creature. Yeah.
0: Oh, real quick, as we're wrapping up, too, Jim just messaged me that Cody and Jen's dog's name is Jared, not Nick, which explains oh, that why would have changed, changed I was a little confused. confused. Or not Kyle. Sorry. So I wanted to, you know, real honesty in broadcasting right. here. Still a <laughs> yellow lab there.
1: Well, we want to thank you so much, Jason, for joining us tonight. Obviously, we're both big fans of the podcast because we kept talking about episodes that we had listened to. So, where can other people find you online? Find the podcast, all that kind of stuff. Do you want to just remind us what everything's called?
2: Yeah, everything. I mean, you'll find me everywhere. Ag State of Mind is the podcast. I don't. Did I say that? Did I say that? That entire.
1: I think we did early on. Did we? I don't (laughs) know.
2: Gosh, that's really terrible of me. Anyway. You can find me all across social media. Ag State of Mind podcast is Ag State of Mind. You find my website agstateofmind You can search any podcast medium; you'll find the Ag State of Mind podcast. And you know, if anybody wants to chat, you know, hit me up on DMs, and we'll we'll talk.
0: Thank you so much for being with us.
2: Thanks for having me. I, it was a lot of fun tonight.
0: Yeah, thanks for coming on. And thank you, listeners, for joining us here today on Barnyard Language. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok as Barnyard Language. I think we're up to uh, three videos on TikTok now, Early, <laughs> We're really gaining yeah, some yeah. steam now. Yeah. Yeah, um, we're hip. Yep. I haven't had to pay the babysitter yet to show me how the TikTok works. So that's okay. <laughs> <a bit. laughs> I'm Natalie. That's progress. Yep. And on Twitter, we are Barnyard Pod. And if you'd like to connect with other farm families, you can join our private Facebook group, Barnyard Language Group. You can also find us on Facebook at uh, Barnyard Language Podcast. And please like, rate, and subscribe to this show. And if you enjoy listening, leave us a five star review and tell somebody else about us
1: we are always on the lookout for future guests for the podcast if you or someone you know would like to chat with us please get in touch you can support the show by becoming a patron on the barnyard language patreon a small monthly donation will allow us to keep producing